Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Mamma Mia 2. Here we go again. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed without having seen it, just be aware that the plot of the film will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Paddy Johnston, here we go again. Hello. Evening. Let's talk about some shit. <laughs> Sorry. Let's talk about Airbud. Oh no, that's my other podcast. <laughs> is Airbud up next? Is that where you're going? It is. We were supposed to record oh, yesterday, right. but we had to put it off because um, of a diary clash. But yeah, Airbud seventh inning fetch. Have you have you seen it? I have not seen it. I have seen the first two Airbuds. Ah. The Airbud where he plays. Um, where he plays basketball. One where he plays basketball, and then there's one where he plays football, American football. Uh, yeah. Um, Airbud Woof Receiver. What's it called? They've all got like sports pun names. Golden Receiver, of course. Golden Receiver. Yeah. Seventh inning fetch. World Pup. Um, World Pup. Yeah. yeah. But the original is basketball. And did you did you know that the dog is actually playing basketball in it? That is officially 100% accurate. In the first the one. No, it, it is actually real. I'm, I'm being serious. It's real. The dog is, is slam dunking. He's doing, it's doing genuinely, all the tackles. Genuinely, the guy, um, it's based off of the fact that this guy who's like a war veteran did genuinely train his dog how to play basketball and that inspired the films. It's true. There we go. Definitely real news. Absolutely 100% non-fake news. Yep, Definitely. And yeah, so yeah, and there's two air, two bud. Um... <laughs> air bud Tokyo Drift, where he's sports racing. Yeah, and sumo wrestling. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like um, like all good, all, like all good series, the quality of it declines as the series goes on, with the possible exception of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> yes, it's true. There's a few series that do get better as they go on. Um, but rarely, rarely movie franchises. Movie franchises generally get worse, whereas TV shows can get better. Yeah, although I, I am a fan of the new Star Wars movies, but they did have to go through a really awful period to come through the other side of that. And I guess that's such a behemoth, isn't it, that it's not really a fair comparison, is it? Well, well I count them as these as three separate entries in the same intellectual property. Um, so you've got the original trilogy, you've got the prequel trilogy, and you've got the Disney trilogy. Um, and I don't really count them as sort of sep- as, as one giant amorphous blob of film. They're almost their own individual identities. Yeah. It's one small step for man. That's <laughs> one giant amorphous blob for mankind. <laughs> um, one of those, one of the few movie franchises that does get better as it goes on is The Fast and the Furious. So, so I hear. I don't. I don't think I've seen any of them, honestly. Um, the first one is silly, and takes itself too too, too seriously. It is our it is our man Vin Diesel, right? It is Vin Diesel. See, we like we like Vin Diesel. He's a friend of the podcast. We, he is. He is always chatting about our podcast. He loves us so much. Yeah. Um, and and the second one is pretty bad, but kind of fun in a bad way. Um, no Vin Diesel in the second one. Oh, okay, well, um, fuck that. Just then. Paul Walker. Just Paul Walker. Um, and then the third one features nobody. That That is Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift is one of the worst So there's um, there's no people in it, just cars? Just cars. It is like cars, it's... apart from... <laughs> it's Jeremy Clarkson's <laughs> no wet dream. <laughs> there's no talking um, Lightning McQueen. It's just cars revving their engines. Oh, what? Um, that that's it. Um, and then Vin Diesel turns up at the end uh, to give a little cameo. Did you know um, as well as well as cars, Pixar also has a film called Planes. It does. Uh, they both sound awful. <laughs> I, I watched a little bit of Cars and thought it was trash. I have no interest in watching Cars Two, Electric Boogaloo, or <laughs> Planes. Um, I'm looking forward to Pogo Sticks, Unicycles, <laughs> <laughs> Segways. And Elon Musk's weird tube thing. 
they, those are going to be the, the next Pixar movies. These are all the, um, the things you're going to buy my son when he arrives, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, but but after after Tokyo Drift, the the Fast and Furious movies get better and better as they go on. After that point, um, interesting. That they they are super enjoyable action movies that make a ton of money and deserve to make a ton of money. Uh, do you think that's to do with the skill of a particular director or a producer or what? Or is it some kind of magic alchemy? I think CGI. it's a magic kind of alchemy. Well, I th- I think basically they have nailed down what people want from a Fast and Furious movie, and so they just keep amping it up with every release after that point. So they they struck gold with the fourth film, and they realized, oh wait, people like this if it's an action movie that doesn't really have that much to do with cars anymore. Let's do more of that. Let's have The Rock and Vin Diesel punching each other. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm always up for that. Let, let's include cars in the most ridiculous ways imaginable so so the fifth one there's this great scene at the beginning where they drive a car off a train on a bridge into a river and it's like this is amazing this is the best thing i've ever seen in my life and they just keep getting better and better and better as it goes on um they're they are fantastic movies I um I just realized that I was just thinking about, you know, properties that are being reinvented and stuff. And I just realized that there's a trailer that I haven't seen for the quote unquote live action Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Have you watched this? <laughs> I have not seen it. I saw the posters. That was enough to scare me off. Um, but I, I have a real problem with live action stuff that's not live action. Yeah, like detec- so everyone's Detective going on Pikachu. About well, well, Detective Pikachu isn't. That that's fine because it's got human beings in it. The problem comes with the Lion King, the so-called live-action Lion King, where everything is CGI. Yeah, it's an animated movie. Just call it an animated movie. Yeah, it's fine. You can call it an animated movie. You can even call it a really boring-looking animated movie, given that the Lion King looked really vibrant, and now you've just thrown a load of mud on it. You know, fair, fair enough if you want to go down that route, but don't call it a live-action thing unless you've got a genuine fight between two lions in the middle of a fire pit at the end. <laughs> if it's not narrated it's by not... David Attenborough, it's not live action. It doesn't count. It is exactly, exactly. Yeah, it hasn't uh, got Attenborough it... going, here comes Scar. Here he, comes Scar. He's going to kill Mufasa. And there's nothing we can do but watch and realise the futility of our existence as humans. Well, my favourite thing about um, about the Attenborough series is at some point in every one of his series, there's a moment where he turns around and says... You know what's the most dangerous thing for these animals? You, you shits. You <laughs> bastards watching this. You're right. You have destroyed the world and it's all your fault and there's nothing you can do now. Here you can watch 10 minutes of penguins dying and it's all your fault. Well, did you watch the Dynasties program that he's been narrating recently? I, I, I watched all but the last one. We still haven't watched the final episode. Because there was a, like, baby penguin dying in that one and it made me weep yes yes and but then you had the great bit at the end where you saw that they then try to help the penguins yeah by building that little ridge out of where they'd fallen down so i th- i think that At- attenborough is actually edging ever closer to that line each year until eventually he's going to be like 105 years old probably all the rest of us will be dead brexit would have happened it would have decimated everything but he'll still somehow be there and he'll he'll just go he'll just turn to the camera and be like Look at all this horrible stuff. It's all your fault, you awful people. Now, f- fuck off. <laughs> yeah. now get out of my sight. <laughs> yeah, and then he'll just walk off into the sunset and we'll never hear from him again. I mean, that would be amazing. The only thing you see then is that you're, um, you're like seeing some other footage of penguins and somehow the penguins have built this shrine to David Attenborough out of ice. Uh. It's like, what? Was Attenborough here? And just over the centuries, you just find more and more Attenborough shrines. Yeah, maybe the real the real Attenborough was the shrines that we made along the way. <laughs> um, so, so speaking of uh, beloved treasures, um, <laughs> let's talk about Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Two Mamma Two Mia, Electric Boogaloo, the Bronholm Strikes Back, you know, all of all of that. <laughs> Mamma yeah. Mia Two, Judgment Day. Um, yeah. So, so this movie. What do you think of of, of Mamma Mia two? Paddy? Well, it's this is an interesting one in terms of con- the context of how you watch it because as I I texted you, I I saw it in the cinema, or as I mentioned actually last week, I saw it in the cinema, and I I remember feeling quite a sense of genuine enjoyment in the cinema. 
and finding it very, very fun, despite the two old women who would not shut up, um, singing along with everything, like really out of tune. And also as soon as any song started going, oh, I love this one. Like, uh, yeah, I was really <laughs> that was an quite angry. That was an excellent impression of a man doing an old woman voice, Paddy. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that a gammon would say, isn't it? Have I, have I become a gammon? Has Mamma Mia, here we go again, brought out your gammon oh, no. instincts? It has boiled me. Your, your innate gammon sense. Um, but yeah, so, so I saw it in the cinema and I remember quite enjoying it and thinking it was a bit of good stupid fun. Probably not as good as the original, but still quite good and enjoyable. And the critical consensus at the time was that it was good, generally speaking. But then watching it at home despite the <clears throat> there not being any potential for the general public to annoy me, I, it, it sort of felt a bit flat on the second viewing. Whereas with the first one, I have seen it multiple times and it's sort of quite charming each time. Whereas this one was, yeah, you start to see the inconsistencies and the flaws a lot more on a second viewing, I think. But what did you think? I I didn't see it at the cinema, but I, I have not seen either of the Mamma Mia films at the cinema. Um, I haven't seen the first one in the cinema. No, I didn't see the first one in the in the cinema. I just saw them both at home. I did not like this movie very much. Are you? Um, are you? Did it upset you? Are you angry? It didn't make me angry. It just made me disappointed. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not angry with you. I'm just disappointed. Um, it, yeah, I felt like you say to it, your your large adult son, Will the intern from W One A. Oh God bless him, and 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 I think that it's hard to think of why, and and it's nothing to do with the new cast. I think that the new people are are entertaining. Lily James is maybe the most competent musical actor in the series so far in terms of combining the exuberance that comes with the Mamma Mia movies, which was always a little bit missing from Amanda Seyfried's performances, with actually being able to sing. Um, so, so Lily James kind of encompasses what you wanted from a Mamma Mia movie in terms of that competency and actually having an obvious sense of enjoyment in what she's doing. Um, but I just felt as though tonally there was this shift towards the maudlin, which s- took up far too much of the runtime. So the first Mamma Mia is a romp. It is silly even though there's this big mystery about who the father is, it doesn't matter who the father is. They're all the father. Yeah. It, it, and that's the whole point. And it's it's just fun all the way along. Whereas with this one, it starts with sadness and then you get some more sadness and then they throw in a pinch of extra sadness. You get Pierce Brosnan singing sadly, which admittedly is hilarious. <laughs> I genuinely um, like burst out laughing. I was laughing for about five minutes as soon as he started singing. It's it was so- <laughs> such a weird moment. Can you not think, like, how did he do it with a straight face? He's literally singing sadly to himself whilst looking at, like, pictures of his sexy dead wife, Lily James. It's awful. <laughs> really terrible. And the fact that and that's, like, his main of... moment in the film. Yeah, that the fact that it is a picture of Lily James rather than Meryl Streep makes it even better because they have shared no interactions whatsoever, <laughs> the two of them. And so it felt it felt very... That, that, that scene like went far enough into the sad direction that it was funny and the fact that it was pierce brosnan that's great you know but brosnan in this movie is just as good as he was in the last one but they spend so much time on the sadness that i was getting bummed out and i was like i don't i didn't watch this movie to feel sad i don't care that meryl streep is dead fine whatever (laughs) (laughs) you know i I don't care that for some reason i'm gonna put that on the twitter as a a quote as a quote advertising the podcast you know they have like quotes from like it'll be a picture of your face and just in quotes i don't care that meryl streep is dead (laughs) are you are you gonna be sending all of the meryl streep fans after me and am i gonna be getting death threats oh no the streeple not the The (laughs) streeple wake up streeple Um, I, I don't care that her character's dead. It was like, they, yeah. I mean, they needed to do something. I don't know why she didn't appear, whether it was a, a scheduling conflict or she didn't want to do it or whatever. Um, do, do you know why she didn't appear in the I movie? don't, actually, no. I, I assume that it was because she actually didn't want to, but they kind of persuaded her to probably go into a studio for one day and sing that song against a green screen because her performance was half-arsed. I, yeah, yeah. To be... To put it mildly, I think she didn't really look like she wanted to be there. Her voice was really flat, 
compared to how she is in the winner takes it all in the first film, which she did in one take and which is breathtaking. It's so good. Yeah. And, and, <clears throat> and so, so she, you know, it's not really, she's not really here. No, she's um, a ghost. But, but you don't watch this movie for the characters. <laughs> no. You don't care about the hardships of how difficult it is to set up a hotel or that their mum is dead or that Dominic Cooper, despite, being some kind of weird freeloader in the first movie is now a mondo professional who has to break up with his wife to to go and be in a fancy hotel somewhere for a while. In like, New York. I don't, I don't I don't I don't care, Dominic Cooper. Do what you want. He's learning it from the best in the business. He's learning it from the best <laughs> in the business. No, you're you absolutely right. Is that and that that's the thing, there's a real disconnect between the kind of the attempts at the notebook style emotional manipulation versus the the fun and ridiculous numbers of which there are a few one of which is waterloo in which will the intern from w1a plays a baguette like a saxophone and <laughs> which, which is amazing is awesome but yeah you're right to to give it that sense of fun they had to reprise dancing queen which just to me just felt so cheap and lazy with all the, all the fishermen on the boats especially i think it doesn't help that i think dancing queen is actually one of abba's least good songs it's fine i don't hate it but i think it's massively overrated and they have much I mean, better songs in their catalogue my my favorite thing about dancing queen it's the amazing youtube video of the oh my Japanese God. businessman singing yeah. it for the first time that's at going in the show notes dancing queen <laughs> <laughs> you can dance I really um, want to go to karaoke with that guy. He seems like I, a total I would, I would, hoot. I would, I would love um, to do that. Um, but, but yeah, and and but you know what I mean in terms of there's there's zero point in all of the sadness in this movie. You don't watch, you didn't watch the first film for sadness. No. Why did why why did you have to imp- like inject so much misery into this movie about Abba songs? See, I've... if I wanted if I wanted misery in a movie about Abba songs, make a Abba biopic where you can go into their disintegrating relationships. Oh my god, that would be a heartbreaking like, film, and that would be a really sad movie. But here, where it's a bunch of weirdos on a Greek island, right? I, I love I love <laughs> the internal I love the internal law of the Mamma Mia movies, <laughs> the MMU. But, the 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 MMU the 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 Mamma Mia cinematic universe um that Abba's music clearly doesn't exist yeah because they're singing it all not as a cover version but as this spontaneous thing yet they will just break out into song and everybody knows what's going on and everybody knows the words I I love that that's brilliant why do you have to go mess it all up by being like my mum's dead that's what's good about musicals and this is the thing like musicals are able to be so affecting and incredible and to get like things get things across in that way like um you haven't seen hamilton have you no no i've not seen hamilton have you listened to the soundtrack album at all i've I've heard a little bit of it i like um i like david diggs he's great um so so i actually listened to um his his hip-hop um clipping really great experimental hip-hop stuff if any of our listeners are into that you might be yeah um really really check it out it's amazing so so i really like his stuff in general in fact he was in one of the best movies of last year um a film called blind spotting which is all about gentrification um really great film that manages to combine that kind of spoken word element into bits and pieces of the movie a really it, it has that same kind of tone as the likes of train spotting or la hen where it's got those elements of humor mixed in with the tragedy and it'll just flip flip a switch and and change into something else um it's got that real power behind it so um yeah Go watch Blind Spotting. Anybody? It's really good. Completely flew under the radar. Hmm. Um, should have should have won all the Golden Globes. I did not um, see that. It's it's really awesome. Really good. Um, but yeah, so so I really like Debbie Diggs. Um, so I've listened to a little bit of Hamilton, but uh. but I, I kind of I I find it difficult to listen to uh, musical music if I've not seen the show. Yeah, or I don't have the context of where it is within the show's framework. And I think Hamilton was the first time that I ever th- sort of thought that it felt like it was okay to listen to the music of a the music of a musical divorced from its context on the stage. 
and it works as an album and as a thing that you listen to but even still going to the show even though I, I knew every single word when I went to the show it was still an incredible experience it didn't spoil it for me and I think I've since sort of listened to bits and pieces of other musicals that I haven't seen and would still like go and enjoy in the in the theatre so Hamilton I think has really changed all that but my, my point was that there's a song in Hamilton called It's Quiet Uptown and it makes me absolutely bawl every time because it's so sad and so affecting and so moving <coughs> but um, the rest of Hamilton is sort of fun and edgy and upbeat and there's some very very serious stuff in there but it still it still feels uplifting even though some of it is so sad infinitely sadder than anything that happens in Mamma Mia 2 you know Alexander Hamilton's 18 year old son but the song It's Quiet Uptown is after his 18 year old son gets shot and um is killed in a duel defending his father's honor um and it's yeah and they're all, it's a really like slow moving ballad about the father moving his son and man it gets me every single time that's way sadder than anything in mamma mia 2 but it's still more uplifting than mamma mia 2 because mamma mia 2 didn't know how to strike the balance between the ridiculous numbers and the sad numbers and so it was just like we'll go from one to the other to the other to the other and the problem is that they had used up all of the good ABBA songs in the first one. And there are some in this one that I think are really good. Like um, One of Us, when they're both singing it either side of the wall, um, I thought that was really effective and really good. Um, knowing Me, Knowing You is, is a good one. Um, well, Angel Eyes was our particular favourite when they look into the, the baker. There's a guy who's like a baker who's just standing there and they're like, look into his angel eyes. That is hilarious. That is really, really good. But... The first film, they just about got away with shoehorning the songs or hanging them off the story. In this film, you it you could tell that they built it around a thing stitched together from the songs and it didn't quite work. And they tried to make it work by emotionally manipulating you at the end with Ghost Meryl Streep. What, you mean like Fernando? Where they, <laughs> <laughs> the most beautifully shoehorned in musical bit I've ever seen. So again, that's uh, like the bit <clears> in... Um, Oh, the Princess Switch where they watch A Christmas Prince 2. It's, it's so ridiculous that it kind of goes out the other side and it's good. Yeah, I really love that. And I think they should have doubled down on the ridiculous. So so Cher, right, Cher. Yeah. One of the best bits about this Cher movie. Cher and Cher like. She, she, she is... <laughs> Cher is brilliant in Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Um, and she is only three years older than Meryl Streep, okay, and is playing, <laughs> playing her, her mother. mother. <laughs> what they should have done is just had Cher playing the character that Meryl Streep was playing in the last movie and if and just have like, oh, I got some work done. Bam! Sorted. You've sorted out. Why that that has completely removed any of the tragedy that you included in this movie, all around Meryl Streep not appearing in the second one. Just yeah. replace her. Or just replace her with someone else. You just make it a straight up prequel and just have all the Lily James stuff without tying it to the, the present day narrative. Yeah, which would have also been really fun because they did a great job with all of that casting. Lily James, as I said, is amazing in this movie. Yeah. Um, this, you could have got two and, or three more songs out of Will the Intern, who was my favourite. Yeah, and, and, and the guys, the guys. You had... you had um, Taylor Lautner, but not Taylor Lautner. You had Hugh Skinner, who is Will, the intern. Yeah. Um, although, although better known by some people for being in Poldark, he plays Unwin in Poldark. Oh, really? In a few episodes, yes. Ah, uh, I, I did not know that. Series. I have not watched Poldark. Oh, he should do. He's also in Kill Your Friends, a movie that I like based on a book I really like. Oh, cool. Um, See, I, on, also... I only know him from W1A, which I think I know I'm being unfair about that because I think he's actually a very good actor. Yes, yeah, I really like him, and he does a really good job here. I think he might be the best of the three young'uns, the yeah. three young lads. It, he, his performance of Waterloo is outstanding. It really, yeah, really made me re chuckle. Really, really funny. And he did it uh, also and... while wearing the smallest leather jacket that I've ever seen and the worst <laughs> T-shirt that I have ever seen a man wear. Um, and, and, and I think something that goes... And, and I think that the performances of the, of the, the prequel characters are fantastic because they also manage to encapsulate the energy of their their adult counterparts as it were mm. i know that they are all adults you know they're <laughs> probably older than we are but um they're playing these younger versions of them and and they feel like them so he does feel like harry um Hugh, yeah. Hugh skinner playing young harry really feels like old harry and that from a um, cinematic universe point of view whether you kind of you see it as a sequel prequel whatever fitting into an existing property that really works Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, they, they all do really well. You've got Jeremy Irvin as well. Um, he of Warhorse fame. 
Um, is he? It, is he? he, he um, is he young Bronholm? He's young Bronholm. See, I, I, th- I genuinely thought it was Taylor Lautner the first time he came on screen, and I was like, <laughs> "Yes, come on, Wolf Boy." Wolf Boy's back. No, um, yeah, he's in. He's he's been in some good stuff over the years. Um, he's been around a bit longer than you might expect, but yeah, his first real breakthrough was War Horse. Right. Um, I haven't seen. He that. was also in. He's also in the really good Great Expectations adaptation that came out a few years back. There's no good Great um, Expectations adaptation. Great Expectations <laughs> is boring. Great Expectations is one of the greatest books of all time. Uh, it's boring. It's not. It's, it's amazing. Like, like Charles Dickens has way more interesting stuff than that. No, most of Charles Dickens' stuff is boring, apart from Great Expectations, which is really well paced. Uh, a Christmas Carol is a masterpiece. I will not. Well, yes, a, a Christmas Carol that. is good. But Great Expectations has everything in it. It it has redemption. It has um, finding the power to reject something you felt like you wanted. Um, it's got plot twists. It's got everything you'd want. All tied up in this narrative of uh, of social commentary. It's great. It's great Expectations, one of the best books ever. Has it got a bleak house in it? It does have a Bleak House in it, not the Bleak House, which is one of the most boring books ever written. Get out, Bleak House, and take your 600 pages with you. I do not care. I have not read it, and I have no desire to. It is so... Well, it's fine, but it's so unbelievably depressing, and it's so long. I'm I'm sorry, but it's long, and long things are bad. That is <laughs> long things are bad. <laughs> long things are bad. Yeah, we can um, agree on that. Yeah, so, so apart so, apart Jeremy... from the Silmarillion. Apart from, which actually isn't that long in comparison to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Short things are also bad, like the Silmarillion. Um, but but yeah, so 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 he's really good as well. And um, and Josh Dillon, I've not seen in anything before. Um, well, I, he's apparently in The Little Stranger, but I didn't recognise him. He was the the smug Swede. Yes, and he was young Bill. Yeah, um, and he was really good, and he felt like young Bill. It was they were all really good. But what I loved was that they all had that they they really felt like the original Mamma Mia yeah. um, where they they were breaking into spontaneous song being surprised that they knew the words to this amazing song yeah. and then just getting on with it and and that's what worked so well about the original was hey we know it's silly that it's a musical let's just roll with it and let's have fun with it whereas the other half yeah. which was all set in the future um, was so grim and and I don't want to know about how difficult it is to set up a hotel on a random Greek island. Yeah. I don't care about that. <laughs> that go, go sing me a song. That really is not a sexy story, is it? Like, there's not much you can do to make that interesting. No, no, exactly. Apart from I mean, sending was... Gordon Ramsay in there to, to yell at the <laughs> yell at the cooks. <laughs> it's rotten. <laughs> I was expecting them to sort of spend a good, a good five minutes sorting out the interior decoration. Genuinely, the... The only reason that there is that present day narrative is so that they can get Cher in there to sing Fernando. It is all leading up to that, which is kind of awesome when you think about it. They had to get Andy Garcia in there to play a man called Fernando just so she could sing Fernando. Which is one of the best moments of the movie, let's be honest. Yeah. That that works really well. I did really love the end, although the actual end dragged on for a really long time. And when they were all wearing like the spandex outfits, I was like, for fuck's sake. That's the thing. It should it should have ended right. as soon as she finished Fernando. Because at that point yeah. the story is concluded. That is exactly. it. But no, yeah, okay, we find out that um Sophie's pregnant. Yeah, great. Fine. But no, instead you get the nine months later, like christening and then suddenly like after all of that fun and all of that great stuff where you've just about been uplifted by fernando after all the other grim stuff then they hit you with a, the manipulation of a like quite bad plodding ballad abba song sung by ghost meryl streep i really hated it yeah the end is the end can just get out yeah i i, I got annoyed by this movie yeah I, and 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 there's moments that really work where you've got random Greek fella singing with his terrible band. Oh that yeah, that was awesome. That was really good. <laughs> he I wanted was more fantastic. of that kind of stuff. He was he's an actual Greek musician. I looked him up. He seems like very oh, very cool. Awesome. A sort of pirate pirate Greek folk singer. Loved him. He he was brilliant. That was one of my favorite parts of the film. And so there's these little moments here and there which work really well, where it feels as energetic and as vibrant and as exuberant as the first film. But then it just gets really let down by it. I think it it 
thinks people cared too much about the actual plot of the first movie and and, and about the, the characters is. as well and about the characters yeah like like fair play it's meryl streep she's a good she's a good one you know she she's she's been in some good movies i don't care about a character in mamma mia no nobody she does. she is she is there as a method for me to get to pierce brosnan singing and dancing that, that <laughs> exactly. is why she is in that movie she she is um, a vessel for pierce brosnan going when you're gone exactly that that's why that that's why the first mamma mia exists is for moments like that and mamma mia here we go again should have had the same kind of focus where hey let's let's build some really cheesy funny moments but instead they're the minority of the runtime yeah and again it goes back to the choice of songs you know they were left with the abba songs that weren't used in the first one although they kind of threw that to one side and just had dancing queen again um and to be fair, because that is a is a very very limiting constraint, um, given that as a constraint on creativity and on storytelling, I think they managed to pull something okay out of it. They just fell into the trap of trying to be like overly emotionally manipulative. Yeah, and they still had a few big ones in here. So you know they've got like when I kiss the teacher, they've got Waterloo SOS. When I kiss I the teacher is kind of a creepy song. It is an unbelievably creepy song, but. You know, we've all got creepy songs, Paddy. Yeah, that's that that's Palomino true. Club. What are you saying? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the the song about how much we love horses. <laughs> yeah, and your um, your song crutches. You don't want to know what yeah. you were doing with that crutch. The the original title was crotches. Just so you know, <laughs> um, oh, I thought it was crutches up my bum. <laughs> that was in parentheses after crotches. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah you know um and and but it's it's a creepy song it's a creepy song but it's a it's a fun song you've yeah. got like knowing me knowing you uh-huh um obviously they bring mamma mia back again blah 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 dancing queen blah 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 yeah i i thought mamma mia was better this time around was it in the first one where was it in the first it one? must have been in the first one it's called mamma mia yeah oh no it is i remember it's when meryl streep first realizes that the three men have come to the island Yep, that's right. Yeah, no, it works much better in Mamma Mia too, and she starts it off all slow, and then um, Greek Pirate Man gets all the people to come in and listen. That was really good. That's a good moment. Yeah, and and so there are those moments there, and there are some good songs here. There's other ones which, you know, I mean, ABBA has a ridiculous back catalogue of great songs. You can't really look at any of the songs across these two movies and say, that's a terrible song, that is, because it's ABBA. Whatever the one Um, that Ghost Meryl Streep sings, I didn't like that one. I hate that. Um, is that the day before you came? Something like Does that. that. Sound right? No, it's my love, my life. My love, my life. Yeah, okay. that's a uh, dreary, dreary ballad. Um, but like in in general, they're a, they're a band which churned out the hits, deservedly so. Um, and so for anybody who grew up with Abba Gold in their parents' car, like every both, day, like both of us did. <laughs> Like both of us did. You're like, oh, that's a banger. Oh, yeah, that's a banger as well. Yeah. Bit weird that they've turned it into a moody ballad, but it's still a banger. <laughs> yeah. Um, and knowing me, knowing you, it actually had a bit of that, didn't it? It was like a, it is a breakup song. Breaking up is never easy, I know. But, you know, it still felt a bit like on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you had like Taylor Lautner, who's not Taylor Lautner, angrily zipping up a bag. <laughs> and you're like, that's not what I think of when I think of ABBA, but okay. Yeah, and and, and but but it, it, in general it works, and in general you know what it didn't feel like they were scraping the barrel for songs. If they made a, oh, a no. Mamma Mia three, which I'm sure they will, that's when it's going to be a bit on shaky ground, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, but 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 in terms of the overall music, it's fine. It's just the way that they frame the movie is the big no no. Yeah. Did it have what's the name of the game? That was in it, wasn't it? Um. Yes. Yeah. The name of the game was in it. Yeah, I like that one. That's got a really, yeah. That's a that's a that's a, good, got a, good s- a smooth bass line. That was my bass sound, yeah. by the way. <laughs> and you're you're an actual bass player. I'm an actual I'm an actual bass player. Uh, but for me, bass is just whop whop whop. I liked halfway through when it turned into Black Beauty. <laughs> black beat oh what yes yeah <laughs> um but but and, uh, i i i really wanted to like this because i i do like the original movie mm. it's a good good piece of fun and i i i was urging it all the way along it's like come on do something fun 
but it just didn't do enough. Yeah, no, I, I like I said, I, I didn't hate it. Overall, it's still enjoyable. It's not a, it's not like it's not bad. It just doesn't quite capture the magic of the first one and really falls down on trying to to be sad and grim. But yeah, like I didn't, I went into it wanting to like it, obviously. But yeah, it's is. It's it's a strange one. I think if if you like um if you enjoyed the first one and you, uh, you like the music of Abba it's definitely worth seeing. Like it's not one to avoid, but yeah, just be be aware that Pierce Brosnan sings in a low voice while looking at pictures of his sexy dead wife. <laughs> yes, and we could have done with more of that. Yeah. And that it's longer than it needs to be because they tack on a weepy number at the end and then 10 minutes of everyone singing in spandex. I tell you what it felt like. It felt like the end of Purple Rain, where it's just <laughs> going on, and you're like, okay, I get it. I get it. Now you can stop. No, no. The end of Purple Rain is literally half an hour of a Prince concert, <laughs> which is, is fine. It is. <laughs> um, where, but, and, and it kind of shows how having an emotional attachment allows you to make those kind of moments. So, um, so Bohemian Rhapsody, Golden Globe winning. Maybe it didn't deserve yeah. to win the Golden Globes, but it is a good movie. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be one of those haters who says it's really bad. It's not. It's yeah. a good movie. It might not entirely be historically accurate, but what 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 really really worked about it was it emotionally manipulated you in the best possible way. And then the climax of the movie is is effectively their live a performance. Yeah. Um. And and they do a good 15 minutes of it at the end of the film. But- um. But it. With Queen, it, you kind of need that to carry it, don't and, you? And you do. You need that that focus on the raw energy of the music, um, and it works. And because you're so invested in 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 these people, you're so invested in Freddie Mercury, and and they pull off these performances so well that feel so authentic. You're quite happy to go along with this really long scene. Whereas here, you don't really care about them performing these songs in spandex. It's not really funny. No. It's it's funny if you're the kind of person that laughs because an old man's wearing spandex. Yeah. I, you know I, what I, mean. I did laugh a lot when um, it was, uh, it's them all like dancing with the young version of themselves. And Colin Firth is just standing there looking angry while Hugh Skinner dances around him. That was very funny. Yes. Yeah. And, and so those kind of moments are great, but it's not just funny because it's an old person in spandex. No. And it was a bit like that, trying to just get you to laugh at that. Yeah. Um, it, it felt a bit lazy at times. I think is probably the best way to put it. Uh, sometimes it went for the for the low hanging fruit. Yeah, <laughs> that's no way to talk about Pierce Brosnan's buttocks <laughs> and spandex. I, I'd grab that low hanging fruit. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But yeah, um, Andy Garcia's performance as Fernando, like that. Yeah, he was good. He came across as very very sexy, like that. <laughs> yeah. I I heard the drums, Fernando. I he he played the drums for me Fernando. yeah there was something in the air that night <laughs> <laughs> um yeah he was he was good he was good as old fernando it was very funny when St- stellan skarsgård put on some jowls to pretend to be his fat twin brother that was quite enjoyable that that felt so strange and out of nowhere it was completely unrequired and that's kind of why i loved it yeah it, it it was completely not necessary for the plot whatsoever um and it worked no was omigilili Om- coming onto him from behind the um oh, you <laughs> behind put... his kiosk <laughs> yes yeah you've got omigilili um talking about people's haircuts yeah and you got the thing where um young bill and Lily James rescue a man from the sea and help him to get his love back, which has kind of felt like a nice story just sort of thrown in there. I wanted to know that guy's story. Yes, yeah, that was a strange little moment. Yeah, and, and then they and find him later little... on. And to to address the, the very, very serious economic plight of the Greek fishermen, they invite them to a party. Yes, and everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. Um, so so yeah, there's there's all of these little moments in here which are enjoyable, but I just felt like overall it didn't didn't work that well. Yeah, I wrote down that Lily James is a flat earther, but I can't remember why. This is in my notes here. <laughs> are you just <laughs> sharing spurious claims about people yeah. now? I, I meant her character, not Miss James herself. <laughs> okay. okay. 
Um, because I, I like I like Lily James. I think she's really good. I think she's great. Yeah, she, and she's like not even at the peak of her career. I think there's still. I think she's going to go on to do her best work in the next decade for sure. Yeah, because she's she's been in some great movies over the years. I think one that I'm really looking out for is she's going to be in the they're doing another adaptation of Rebecca. Okay. Um, directed by Ben Wheatley. Ah, um, interesting. He of. Uh, sightseers and kill list fame um most recently did free fire which was which was amazing um and and did the adapt the movie adaptation of high rise so he is a real talented director he's at the moment they've just confirmed that it's going to be lily james and army hammer in the two lead roles so so army hammer as maxim de winter and lily james as the new mrs de winter um and I think that has the potential to be a fantastic movie. I mean, that is a great director, great two leads, fantastic source material, which has already worked really well as a film. I'm just um, looking forward to seeing how a tube of toothpaste, you know, compares to a man. <laughs> um, but, but, That's also <laughs> low-hanging fruit, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, but I kind of loved it. Um, but apart from that, Lily James, she's she's uh, been in um, Baby Driver. Yep, she was excellent in that. And she she's a Brit who can do an American accent well. She can do an American accent well, and that is a very rare skill for a British person to do. Yeah. Um, she was in the TV series of War and Peace, which was good. Oh, I loved that, yeah. Uh, had your man Paul Dano. Paul Dano. I his... challenge you! <laughs> With his beautiful baby face. You know um, what? I loved that. I, I thought it was, it was really it was good. Great. I found it, I didn't really expect good. to like it at all, but I was really hooked because I'm very rarely hooked on sort of historical period type stuff, but it was, I loved it. It was, it was perfectly done. Really good. Um, She's obviously in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> The greatest film ever. I have not seen that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Claire would not allow that to pass the threshold of this house. <laughs> It's really good fun. I'm going to. I'll. I'll request it for the podcast next Halloween. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, it's. It's actually really good fun. It's got Sam Riley in it as well. Um, she who was in. She's uh, already annoyed that I made her watch Airbud this weekend. She sat there just <laughs> commentating, saying things like, "Dogs don't have a super sports gene." <laughs> About. You? I didn't realize she was a geneticist. Yeah, I was like, yeah. What are you? Since when are you the expert on dogs? Dogs, <laughs> dog genes. Since when are you the super vet? Do you um, have a PhD in dog science? Do you have a PhD in dog baseball? Yeah, I'm gonna call Noel Fitzpatrick and ask him how many dogs have hit home runs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so 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 Lily James is great, and and the the young fellas are great. They're all really good. Um, and and they are what makes this movie worth watching. And I, you know, if you like the original, still watch this film. I'd say absolutely, yeah. Um, it's still Abba. But, it's still fun. It's still ridiculous. You know, but but you will get a lot more out of the prequel stuff. I think. I think a lot of people found the the Meryl Streep crying ghost number actually quite affecting, but I did not. But a lot of people like Mrs. Brown's boys, Paddy. <laughs> Yeah, you can't trust people. A lot, a lot of people still think that we should leave the European Union. You know. <laughs> um, did you see the latest thing today, where um, the, the the government has advised cabinet ministers how to apply for emergency funding in case people start dying? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> following on from a few months ago, where someone asked the health secretary Matt Hancock if he could guarantee that people would not die as a result of Brexit, and he said no. <laughs> well, at least he's being honest you know yeah um we are we are laughing but genuinely people might die because of brexit which yeah. is terrifying um and it looks as though the government is taking all these precautions for when people start dying because of brexit but aren't telling the general public hey you might die because of brexit yeah we might see the return of scurvy so here are some limes here's some limes yeah watch out for the weevil oh no sorry we won't, won't be able to get limes because they come from europe probably <laughs> have a turnip <laughs> yeah that was they used to call up uh, call us in the war times turnipies because we were always eating turnips <laughs> it just reminds me of um brexit reminds me of that bit in that one simpsons episode where they have the lemon tree and they have to go get the lemon tree back um do you remember this episode um i don't know i'll, t- I'll take that as a no <laughs> um they they the the boys have to go on this mission to their their lemon tree gets stolen by kids from shelbyville 
and they have to travel to Shelbyville to get their oh, not lemon Shelbyville. tree back. Yeah, I know. And they all meet their doppelgangers and stuff like that. Oh, um, yes, yes, I remember. And and at the end, they manage to get the, the tree back and and they're telling this story about, and that's how our brave boys got the lemon tree back. And then it cuts to Shelbyville where there's this old guy telling a similar kind of story. And it's like, and that's why we got rid of the lemon tree because it was haunted. <laughs> now everyone have a nice glass of beet juice. <laughs> and, and every time they talk about, we'll make do with what we've got in this country, I'm just thinking, that's going to be just like the beet juice. We're going to be drinking beet juice. Beetroot is fucking disgusting. And beetroot it, is horrible. Yeah. It's really awful. And you'd see it around. Like, there's beetroot ice cream and stuff. Stop it. Don't do that. <laughs> like the, the only one I can accept is... Is people making cakes with beetroot if they want to have nope. like a vegan alternative and things like that? It's not for me. I still don't like it. I still can taste the beetroot in it, and it's not for me. But you know, if you're looking for an alternative where you're not using um, milk and eggs and everything like that, fair enough. If you can handle beetroot in your cake, that's fine. Yeah, if you require it for vegan reasons, then that's fine. But don't expect me to eat it. Yeah, don't expect me to eat it. I'll be eating other things. That don't include the devil's root. <laughs> Things that aren't purple and luminous and viscous. <laughs> viscous is the perfect word for beets. Yeah. Viscous purple round boy. No, thank you. <laughs> That's going to be my MC name. <laughs> MC Viscous Purple Round Boy. <laughs> yeah, you just got on stage as a giant beet. Yeah. I'm dropping mad beats dressed <laughs> as a beat. Beat roots, yeah. <laughs> um, so, do you have anything else to share about Mamma Mia? Um, we have not mentioned Christine Baranski and Julie Walters, who reprise their roles from the first film, but both of them just kind of are a bit, bit bleh because they're given such a lumpen script to work with. It's a real shame. But they do sing Angel Eyes, and it is very funny because they look at the baker and his angel eyes. Yeah, they, they don't... Um... They they don't really make good use of them, do they? They're, they're still here and they're still funny. No, they're but... mainly just there to cry that Meryl Streep is dead. Yeah, I just who cares, mate? <laughs> Another quote, who cares that Meryl Streep's dead? Yeah. It's only Meryl Streep. I'm going to get that on a t-shirt for you. <laughs> just with my face and be like, you have to wear this. You have to wear this to a screening of Mamma Mia. Yeah. And yeah, there was just so little of those characters, them and uh, Pierce Brosnan, Colin Firth, Stellan Skarsgård. They all had such little screen time that it was yeah, it was it wasn't they their their amount of screen time and the bits in the story that they were allocated didn't really make us care about them. Yeah, Mer- Meryl Streep hung over this movie like a weight, and they really should have just not had as much of a focus on her character. Yeah, because it was you know if she's not going to be there, don't make the entire movie about her. Yeah, which it was. Which it was. The entire movie is about her. They could have quite happily had the prequel moments or things like that, but not in a but, good way. Not like how Jaws is a film about a shark that's not about a shark. Yeah, this was this exactly. is a film about Meryl Streep that wasn't about Meryl Streep. And, and I would have accepted it if they had a giant robotic Meryl Streep trying to eat them all. That would have been great. <laughs> yeah, when it's the, when the Dancing Queen reprise happens, she just rises up out of the sea and like tears one of the boats in two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just horrible synthesizer version, like all of the Mountain King in Social Network. <laughs> yeah, it's just Dancing Trent Queen Reznor in a minor does, key. <laughs> Trent, Trent Reznor does ABBA. Yeah, it's, it's Trent Reznor's like instrumental version of Dancing Queen in a minor key, with synths getting progressively louder and more distorted and like bit crushed, with the vocal of that Japanese karaoke man put over the top. I mean that that sounds exactly like my jam. I've been listening to um, so Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross they did the soundtrack to recent Netflix original Bird Box. Oh right, yeah, which, which I haven't seen yet. Um, I have not either. I've been hearing good things about it generally. Yeah, I've been hearing mixed. So some people saying it's very good, other people saying it's not. I'm really looking forward to watching it and making my mind up because I find those kind of divisive um, horror thriller movies quite interesting. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that. Um, but but they did the score to it, and it's you know a really good Trent Reznor style score. So I'd love to see um, I'd love to see Trent Reznor do Mamma Mia three. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just um, wondering what ABBA songs are left. Like, do you, could you do it without repeating any ABBA songs? 
You'd have to have a just, reprise just of SOS, deep, of course. Deep cuts, deep cuts. Yeah. There was Voulez-Vous in there? Yeah, Voulez-Vous in the first one. Yeah, that's in the first one, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, more gold, more hits. What's on this? I do, I do, I do. No, that was in the first one with Bronholm. Ring, ring. That's not in any of them. Mm. That's a that's a good one. Yeah, I think you would you would have a hard time. It would be it would be difficult. Has Hastamanyana been in any yet? Nope, nope. We've got two, Paddy. <laughs> We've got, <laughs> We've got two. two. This shit writes itself. <laughs> um. So. Yeah, so we've got two songs. They could just do really slow down version of those for the entire the entire um thing. That'd be good. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have stuff like the go- the goofiness of when they do um lay all your love on me and all the blokes come out of the sea or when they do um oh, does your mother know and Christine Baranski pulls the towel around the young boy. That's all. That's all very a, fu- a funness to it that is just a bit lacking, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That and that's the real problem. Is it even misses out on those little moments of of outrageous comedy? Yeah. There's nothing outrageous in it. No. The most outrageous thing is a restaurant where the waiters are all dressed like Napoleon. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Let's have more of that. Let's have an entire movie around that. Yeah. Where everyone just plays baguettes like instruments all the time. <laughs> yeah, get on that. That'd be great. Um, I forgot that Dominic Cooper's character is named Sky, which is stupid. Yeah, nobody's called Sky. I mean, she should have never married him because of that. Yeah, and his performance—he was really phoning it in in this. Like I said, I I did like how they framed one of us, but his voice felt very flat there. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think I I think a lot of people were doing other things. Yeah, I, I that that's the kind of sense I get from this. Yeah, the only the only the ones who were really there were the uh, the younger ones. The yeah, old the, the older ones, ones all yeah just kind of probably flew in, did two or three scenes, and then buggered off. Yeah, so so Meryl Streep was there, did it all in a week. Yeah, Cher came um, in on her helicopter, probably literally. She she literally turned up just for that turned scene. Up, did her thing like a sketch from Shooting Stars. Cher is one of the. Cher Cher was great. She sounds like movie. a pub singer in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> I I love Cher so much. Um and and that's because you believe if, in if life it, after love. I do believe in love after love. love, love. I can feel something inside my soul. I really don't feel South Park, right? Gone off the boil an awful lot, but in one of the earlier series, they have this absolutely hilarious version of of that song that plays in a few episodes. <laughs> and whenever I hear it, it's just absolutely it's brilliant. It's so funny. I genuinely um, haven't thought about South Park in a good five years. They, yeah, they maybe have, more. They they have they had a few years of being very very funny and being very much at the forefront of doing good social satire. Like, out of nowhere, they suddenly had a few series of being really, really good. Um, and the last couple of seasons, they basically decided that they're going to go back to being centrist snarks. Right. And they're, whi- they're whining about people being mad at So they're, and- they're portraying, they're asking if people need a safe space and talking about millennials and avocados and snowflakes and whatever. Yeah. and and, and the, complaining the best- that they can't say things or... The best thing is that they 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 did the whole, um, but they framed Donald Trump in quite a funny way in the run up to that election, and then as soon as he got elected, they kind of chickened out of doing anything funny with him and ever criticizing him, which I think makes it, it makes sense given that a lot of people who support Trump have found a lot of comedy in South Park, and I think they're a bit mm. afraid to piss off their fan base now. Yeah, for um, sure. Which is a shame because they are exactly the kind of people that they should be mocking, but they kind of have chickened out, which is a very sad, given that South Park are the people that refuse to bow down to um, the uh, Scientologists or Muslim extremists in the past. Yeah. They suddenly they suddenly think it's too much hassle to criticise Donald Trump. It's like, guys, come on. 
You are most definitely on the wrong space? side of <laughs> yeah, yeah, snowflakes. <laughs> These snowflakes. <laughs> yeah, that's they're definitely on the um, wrong side so, of so um, yeah. So so their last two or three series have been unbelievably tiresome to watch. It's just really dull, Ricky Gervais esque. Oh, we're in the middle and everything's bad because nihilism's cool. Yeah, Ugh, Ricky Gervais is a bloated fool. <laughs> I have no time for him whatsoever. I will get that on a t-shirt, <laughs> for you. Ricky Gervais is a bloated fool and we don't care that Meryl Streep's dead. <laughs> Wait, this is going to be, yeah, our thread, our thread on Reddit. This is, we're, we're going to get, we're going to get chased off the internet. I don't care that Meryl Streep's dead, AMA. <laughs> um... Anyway, uh, do we have anything else to share about? Oh, I, old, I'm on the Mama. the Wikipedia page for Mamma Mia. Here we go again, and it's got a list of all the musical numbers, and one of they a couple of them have symbols behind them. One of which is songs featured on the soundtrack album, but <coughs> omitted from the film, which is "The Day Before You Came." Meryl Streep so, recorded it for the album, but it's not in the film. And then the other one is songs featured in the film but omitted from the soundtrack album. Guess which one? <laughs> which one is it which it's is sos it? <laughs> oh i don't know why they didn't want the sort of 30 second version of pierce brosnan going on there i mean but... I, I i i might say that as my ringtone to be perfectly honest with you <laughs> should that be that'll give you a wake-up call in the morning <laughs> oh dear um and there was only one other thing i was going to say but i think i have forgotten what it was Oh, Celia Imrie was in it. That's it. She was in it at the beginning as the the teacher who she, who Lily James kisses, and that was kind of fun. Yeah, she's good. She's in lots of good stuff. Yeah, and should be in more stuff. Yeah, and it was kind of she was didn't she was only in it for that one song, and you're like, oh, that's a shame. She could have done something. Yeah, she could. She should have replaced Meryl Streep. <laughs> she could have hey, done. You've, for ch- sure. you've changed. You've changed Meryl Streep. No, I haven't. Okay, on with the show. Yeah. I also wrote down, don't touch the horse. <laughs> I can't remember good, what that was related that's, to. That, that's, just, that's just good life advice. Yeah, just good, good advice. You don't want to go touching horses that don't want to be touched. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think we're done, aren't we? It's 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 all right, but... <coughs> no, yeah, tries too hard to be sort of a bit grim and sad. Doesn't have the magic of the first one. Some good songs, some enjoyable goofy stuff, but ultimately doesn't hang together that well yes exactly so so i've got a little bit of trivia for you hit me share handpicked andy garcia to play the character of fernando uh, really? of a bunch of selected actors does it say who else was on that list it does not say who else was oh. on that list but imagine being handpicked by share how cool would that be that's amazing he must be so happy he, he better be that is an honor yeah um Meryl Streep and Lily James are distant relatives. Oh. Ninth cousins, three times removed. I have no idea what that means. So that that you have to go quite a few great grandparents back to get to that. But yeah, why not? Yeah, f- fair enough. This is the first time that Meryl Streep has ever done a sequel. What? That's amazing. In her yeah, I mean, however long career. She did not return to the Bridges of Madison County 2. Oh, no. That's why. It, that's reason. why it wasn't good. That's why it wasn't good. It was just Clint Eastwood. Yeah, and share. <laughs> that's that's a film that I would watch. I'd I'd watch that. Oh, so so the day before you came, um, was only recorded because it was one of Benny Anderson's and Richard Curtis's favorite ABBA songs. Oh, and Streep and Streep wanted to sing it. That, um, that's nice. Um, but it wasn't in the film because the lyrics are too specific to have fit with the story. Unlike Fernando, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, um, Un- yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Unlike, um, why did it have to be me and an- angel eyes? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so Hugh Skinner, Jeremy Irvin, and Josh Dillon, who play the young versions of Harry, Sam, and Bill, um, they all lived together in a villa in Croatia for the six weeks they were filming. Nice. Which is nice. So you can imagine them having a little house party. Yeah. You hate to think of people just like hanging out in trailers and avoiding each other. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, you can always just imagine them, you know, one of them wakes up early and, and makes cups of tea for the other. And it's like, yep. hey, I made you all a cup of tea. Everything like that. One of them makes pancakes. 
Oh, mate. I want a movie about that. I want a movie about them just hanging out in their house. Yeah, a bro comedy, like the Wolf Boys. Yes, exactly. They are They're the in Boys. the Wolf Boy house from Twilight, but it's a musical. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd watch that. That'd be great. Make Twilight the musical. Oh, God, I bet Twilight the musical is happening. How does that not exist already? I don't know, but it's got to. Yeah. Hey, ne- hey, Netflix. Netflix, if you're listening, get on to Stephanie Mayer. Go get Twilight the Musical made up. It, it would be perfect. This has to happen. We could have like a new metal <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> the guys from Mushroom Head, they're not doing much. <laughs> get, get Mushroom Head to do Twilight the Musical. Um, um, I'd just like to point out, by the way, and... Uh, the uh the, the fantastic line be still my beating vagina <laughs> uh, which, which christine baranski says yeah she um, is fantastic only, she's a really underrated it, actor she's brilliant and that was one of the, the few moments in this movie that genuinely made me laugh out loud um but that was only added into the script once andy garcia was cast because he's that hot <laughs> yeah of course if it had been um, anyone else she'd have been like whatever yeah um but I think that that is the perfect place to... Oh, no, actually, hold on. I've got one more amazing bit of trivia. So <laughs> the first time Julie Waters met Cher, she ran up to her in a rush of excitement and gave her a warm hug. Aww. However, <laughs> her glasses got stuck in Cher's white wig, leaving it tarnished, and a new wig had to be used for filming. <laughs> that's amazing. That is brilliant. That, um, that's better than anything in the film. <laughs> um so so yeah that that'll do that'll do for the tri- for, for trivia for this movie that's great i hope she took it well i i hope she did as well but also i hope she she like put a a, a like a, a lifelong hatred on julie waters either way either either she would have loved it or despised it and whichever choice i'd be happy with her making yeah all right how how are we gonna rate this um, how many seconds would you awkwardly look at photos of your young dead wife <laughs> your, out of 20? sexy dead wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I could go for 10 seconds, maybe. I think it's a, it's a Bon Jovi. I feel, I feel, yeah, still a little bit conflicted about it because I love all the goofy stuff, but overall it's just a bit, yeah, it's a Bon Jovi for me. Yeah, it's it's not quite a Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. It's 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 not quite a Bon Jovi for me. Um, I I'll be going for an eight. Um, because I got too bummed out by it, and you got those really good moments, but unfortunately, there wasn't enough of a focus on on like Lily James and that fun side of the story for me. Yeah. Um. So it's just a bit of a letdown, really. Uh, well, there we go. I I I think that's fair. Average is out a nine. I think that's fine. I'm just yeah. updating the chart. So what are, what are we going to watch next? We kind of, the last couple of films we've c- agreed together in advance, so I don't know whose turn it is. I th- I think it's your turn. Okay. Well, I, I might be wrong, but I think it is you. I have not prepared anything, so I'm going to have to oh. go. I'm going to have to go and look at the list. Let's see. Because I, I, I feel like I chose Dumpling and... In a way, I think I also chose Mamma Mia too. So I feel like it's you, I feel like it's your turn. Do you think it's for, it's me then? I feel like it's your. I feel like it's you. Right. Okay. Um. In that case, um, let's get on track with a modern-ish potential classic, and let's watch Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, okay. I I have seen that once. But not for yeah, a while. I think I watched it when it first came out, not in the cinema, but on on home on home viewing. Ah, good good call, good call. Got Bradley Cooper, got Bobby De Niro, got some American football in there. <laughs> That's <laughs> the important thing. Yeah. It's got the sports. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, I just remembered that what you know the rest of the film aside, there is one scene in that film that has a masterful choice of music that really stayed with me. Okay, that's all. I'll, that's all I'll say. I mean, yeah, I'm. I was amazed when they, um, when they put "Who Let the Dogs Out" <laughs> who, over the. Who, who, who. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, yeah, yeah. We'll watch. We'll yeah. watch. Um, we'll watch that for next S- week. Silver Linings Dog Book. <laughs>
See, Air, Airbud. Most of the Airbud films were made after that song came out. Did they use that song in any of them? I don't know because I've only seen a couple of them. <laughs> but they didn't use it in every film. No, so they definitely didn't they use it in restraint. Seventh Inning Fetch. So exactly, that that that's good. <laughs> Um, although they they did have a thirty second outro in which Airbud gets drafted by the Angels and immediately becomes World Series MVP for catching one ball at first base in his mouth, <laughs> as you do. Which is how every film should be. That that that's that's how every movie should end. It's an inspiration to us all. We've got the Avengers Endgame. If it doesn't end with that exact scene, yeah, I'm going to be very disappointed. It, then it will not be the most ambitious crossover event in history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's Airbud? <laughs> yeah. Airbud Avengers Assemble. <laughs> anyway, um yes. <laughs> let's bring this to a close. <laughs> yes, let's. Um you can get in touch with us on the emails, bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com, on the Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. Drop us a line. Always love to hear from you and leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. It would be very nice. I noticed we had a new one on iTunes from last year that I hadn't seen, which was nice. Um, and a couple on other platforms as well. You're all very, very kind and lovely people. And make sure you're subscribed if you aren't subscribed already. And, you know, do delve into the back episodes as well if you haven't heard them all. There's some great stuff in there. Yeah, we've got some We've got some absolute gold. Yeah. Um, so, so, so listen to as much as possible. Some ABBA good. gold. Got some Abba gold, um, yeah, and 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 tell us what you think of Mamma Mia Two. Um, yeah, are you glad that Meryl Streep is dead? <laughs> let us let us know. It's a yes or no question. <laughs> it's a yes or no question. Important poll. <laughs> oh dear. All right, and we will we'll be back next week to talk about Silver Linings <coughs> playbook. And- <laughs> That was an involuntary cough. That's not part of the film title. Uh, it should be, though, shouldn't it? Yeah. 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 Silver Linings Playbook. Silver Linings Who Let the Dogs Out Playbook. <laughs> All righty. Bye bye.